on, that is, that is more than enough for me. But if you love Jesus, no, stay standing. If you love Jesus, can we take about 30 seconds right now with everything we got, give Jesus a shout of praise in this place. Come on, only if you love him. If you don't love him, you can sit down and be quiet. But if you are grateful for the grace of our God, our Lord, our Savior, come on, give him a shout. Man. I, I want you to remain standing, remain standing for a second. It's my honor to be here. I literally just flew in just a little while ago and uh, just getting to talk with some of my friends who, who already preached uh, from Micah to Cruz and they were just bragging on what God has been doing. And I just, I came with such an expectation on what I believe God really wants to do tonight. I really believe that the Holy Spirit is about to move in a very powerful, powerful way. And if we're being honest, I don't, I don't typically say statements like that unless, unless I mean it. But I feel like it would be, it would be wrong for us to move past this moment and not honor the senior leadership of this house. Because the truth is, we're here gathering because of Jesus, and because God elected a couple to oversee this house and be the senior pastors of this house. And as a result, we all get to do this together. And, you know, a lot of people in this moment, they get weird about honoring men and women of God. They get weird about it because they think to themselves, well, wait a minute, I thought we're supposed to only honor Jesus and we're not supposed to celebrate men and women. It would be good for you to know that theology tells us that when you make much of a man or a woman of God, what you're actually saying is, God, I agree with your choice. And as a result of that, he extracts glory from it. If you ever read the word, you know that he is jealous for all his glory and all his praise. So when I say to you in a second, can we thank God for your senior leadership in the Mings and who they are and you go nuts. Understand that as a result of that, God's going to get honor. So if you are grateful for your pastors, come on, can you make some noise right now for Pastor Jared, to Pastor Mark, to, come on, everybody else. Can we just, can we just thank them? Thank you, man. Man, what an incredible church. What a good time we're going to have. I could feel it. I could feel it. Go on ahead and grab a seat. Um, unless you don't like who you're sitting next to, then you could change now. Um, we got a little bit of the Saturday night service going on. Saturday night is who's who's normally here on a Saturday night service. This is your service. Okay, and then we got we got a youth conference young adult conference happening. Who's here for the youth young adult conference? Okay, so we got a we got a beautiful marriage happening right now. I love it younger older Sunday people Saturday night people just say hi to each other right now. You just you're gonna meet each other for some of you for the first time and Over the next few moments, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach. I love to preach. I come from a, a great church called Christ Tabernacle where my, my pastors are my, my parents. Names are Pastor Michael and Maria Durso, and they've overseen our church for the past 33 years. They started it. We have campuses in both Queens and Brooklyn. Uh, we have two English campuses, one Spanish campus, and what God is doing in our church is pretty amazing for almost 12 years, my wife and I oversaw their youth and their young adult ministry doing a ministry called Misfit NYC. 
And about, about three years ago, we, we stepped out of that role to become the executive pastors because come January 2020, uh, we are going to become the new senior pastors of our church. And yeah, thank you. I only mentioned that. So if ever after this moment you ever remember me or my wife, just please pray for us because it's a, it's a big role we're stepping into. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there and I was watching and there was a clip or I guess promo for next year conference and the year popped up 2020 and right away I just got scared. I was like, oh my goodness, it's right there. Um, so just please pray. Pray for us if and, and when you remember. Um, I'm trying to figure out what kind of room I'm in. Am I in the kind of room that, that is responsive to the preacher when the preacher is preaching? Okay. Because we're, we're going to have a good time then. I, I promise you that the more responsive you are, the better, the better I'll preach. However, if you, if you shout at the wrong time, I'm going to stop you, okay? Because I'm, there's nothing worse than just someone like shouting at the wrong time, you know? Like, they died. And they're like, preacher, like, no, don't, don't shout for they died. Wait till I say they resurrected, you know? Like... Just gotta, we gotta work it out. I'm, I'm, I'm from Queens, New York, so I have no other choice but to be brutally honest, okay? It just, it just comes out of me. I'm born and raised there. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, and, and today I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be preaching to you, but I'm also gonna be teaching to you. It's a, a bit of a combo, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat, okay? So for the next few moments, I'm gonna teach, I'm gonna preach, and here's what I think. I think you should all take notes. I just think it is wise that anytime you hear someone preaching a word, that you take notes. Because here's what I know, that anytime the word of God is open, there is so much power and it could revolutionize your life. And I would hate that you would miss out on what God wanted to speak to you beyond this moment, but from this moment, because you didn't decide to write it down. Secondly, I just think the better notes you take, the better spot you get in heaven. Is that true? No, I'm just trying to liven you up a little bit today. Okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read from the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, the NIV translation. Then I'm going to skip on over and read from 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15. This is what 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12 says. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit, listen to this, the person without the Spirit does not accept things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's really good for a lot of you to know in the room. There, there are some of you, you have unsaved family members and they don't know why you go to church on a Saturday. They don't know why you tithe. They don't know why you have a circle. They don't know why you're involved like you're involved. But here's why. They don't have the Spirit so they don't get it it's considered foolishness to them there's some of you 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 go to school you're you proudly represent that you love Jesus and your friends at schools they don't get it they make fun of you and as a result you could feel insecure but but please please stay the course because don't succumb to peer pressure here's why they don't get it they don't they don't have what you have you have the Holy Spirit, and because you have the Holy Spirit, you see things differently from how they would see things. Does that make sense? Yeah. The person without the Spirit does not accept things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Verse 15, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, 
all things. So a relationship, a, a job, a friendship. Should I, should I go hang out there? Should I go to dinner? Should I go to the party? They, they make judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. Listen, but we have the mind of Christ. Come on, that's good news right there. But we have the mind of Christ. Skipping on over to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15. I'm going to read from the King James Version so you know it's real, okay? <laughs> Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved. With all my heart, I believe over the course of the next few moments, there, there are three things that are going to happen. And these three things affect or impact three different people groups. There's, there's one group of people that you are going to receive a word from God tonight. It's... It's going to be about your destiny. It's going to be about your future. You've been waiting. God has been silent to you on this area, but you're going to get the word tonight. That's going to happen for some of you. There are others of you that you're going to be reminded of a word that God gave you before. Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was five years ago, but you forgot about it. But tonight he's going to remind you of it and that's okay. Thirdly, there are those that are going to be convicted because you know the word that God gave you. You know the assignment on your life. But because of fear, timidity, and emotions, you have not responded because you've allowed fear to get the best of you. Here's what I believe is going to happen. Tonight, the Holy Spirit's going to come in a mighty way. He's going to fill you. And as a result, fear is going to be evicted from your life. And you're going to step into the calling that is on your life. I want to take the next few moments and I want to preach to you from this idea. The student versus the scavenger. If you're taking notes, go on ahead and write that down. The student versus the scavenger. If you're not taking notes, write that down. The student versus the scavenger. Would you just pray with me one more time? Father God, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rising again. Thank you. Oh God, we praise you in advance knowing that you're coming back one day for your people. Holy Spirit, would you speak through your servant? Would you have your way in this place? Would you do only what you could do? And we promise that when it is all said and done to give you and you alone, Jesus, all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, can you shout amen? amen. Come on, shout amen. 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 I had a moment, I had a moment uh, just last week because my, my baby girl, I have, I have two children. I have, a, I have a son and a daughter. My, my son is my eldest and my, my daughter is my youngest. My, my baby girl turned nine. And as I was reflecting on her life and thinking about how quickly she's growing up, I started to remember all the little moments like, you know, her first steps or her first words or just different moments that that we had. And I'm thinking about how quickly she's grown up. And I was reminded I was reminded of this one moment just a few years ago. We had moved into a brand new neighborhood and it was the first day of school. Well, a brand new neighborhood 
means that it is a brand new school. So it's not only the first day of a new grade, but it's a new grade in a brand new school. And I remember driving my children to school. And as I'm driving them, I just got this suspicion that they weren't too excited about starting on this day. How did I know this, you ask? Well, I'm a good, good father, okay? There was just something on the inside of me as my daughter shrieked from the back seat, Dad, please don't send me to that hellhole. It was then, it was then that I knew that she wasn't too happy about going to school. She starts to share her emotions and her concerns. Dad, I don't want to go to school. I got to meet new friends. What if they don't like me? Are they going to let me use the bathroom in this school? And, and, and what about the lunchroom? Oh, where am I going to have to sit in the lunchroom? What if no one tells me and I'm by myself? In this moment, I'm, I'm hearing my baby girl express her concern and her insecurities and her doubt. And as a dad, I want to step in and do for her, take care for her so that she doesn't have to deal with it. Heartbreaking as a dad to see your child in a state like that. However, how many of us know that this would not be a good idea for several reasons? One, if I attempted this, I'd be arrested. Two, if I were to do all those things for her, handle it for her, you know, meet the students, sit in the lunchroom, figure out all the different dynamics of the school. How many know if I did this for her, I would be robbing her the experience that she would need for herself if she grows up? So in that moment, I thought quick. I thought to myself, you know what? My daughter, she's a bit of an overachiever. Let me speak to her pride. I go, Chloe, don't you want to graduate? And she goes, and I quote, yeah, dad, duh. <laughs> of course I want to graduate. I just don't want to go to school. Man, when she said that, I thought to myself, if there was ever a statement that described this generation, if there was ever a statement that described the Christians that live in this day and age, we have a whole lot of people that want to receive accolades, they want to receive diplomas, they want to receive certificates, but we do not have enough people that are willing to put in the work on what it takes in order to receive those certificates. See, we have a whole lot of people... We have a whole lot of people that want to walk across stages, but not enough people that are willing to put their faces in the book. We have a whole lot of people that want to be considered teacher's pets, but not enough people that want to spend time with the teacher. See, when I think about this generation, I've, I've learned that in church... Although we're all congregating together and sitting together and we're in the same circles together and we're in the same rows together and we eat with each other after service, even though we're in the same room, we're a part of the same churches, we are not necessarily the same people. The Holy Spirit said to me that in Christendom today, with, among the Christians, there are two types of believers. There are the students and the scavengers. There are the students and the scavengers. There are the students 
and the scavengers. I, I want to give you two definitions, one of the scavenger and then of the student. I'm going to give you the scavenger first. Can you put that definition up there for me of the scavenger? Scavenger is a person who searches for and collects words anywhere they could find them. Leave that up there for a second. A person who searches for and collects words. Do you, do you know what I mean when I say words? They're, 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 they're people. They are people that search and want other people to tell them what they are to do with their life as opposed to spending time with God themselves and learn what it means to wait and learn what it means to pray and learn what it means to be patient but they are willing to allow anyone and everyone to speak over their life and when you think about the scavenger in this day and age they go to this church in the morning but then maybe they go to the next church in the evening and they'll go to this conference over here but then they'll go to that retreat over there and then they're driving down to LA to visit this church over here but then they're back over here to serve over here and they're serving in multiple places and the reason why that's so scary is because you have all these people that are serving in all these different places but aren't planted anywhere and because they are not planted anywhere they're not able to receive the water that they need to receive in order for them to grow to become the men and the women that God has called them to be there are the students and the scavengers the, the scavengers they, they exist from sermon to sermon, from church to church, from experience to experience. They get every next new book and they're at every new conference and their, their diet consists of not opening up the word for themselves, but living off of 60 second Instagram preaching clips. And I have no concern or no issue with a book. I wrote two. I have no issues with conferences. I have no issues with 60-second sermon clips. However, please understand that all of those things were made to complement your relationship with God. They were not to come and substitute your relationship with God. In this world today, we have students and we have scavengers. Can you put the definition of a student? A student is a person, someone that is able to remember and apply scripture when necessary. Listen, not someone that is just able to memorize scripture. See, when I read to you, leave that up there for a second, please. When I read to you the scripture before where it says study to show thyself approved, right away there's this competitive thought that goes off in our minds and we think that I need to study and I need to memorize scripture because one day I'm going to be graded on how many scriptures I memorized when the fact of the matter is God is not looking for you to remember scripture for the sake of remembering scripture. He wants to see that there be a people that would remember scripture and apply scripture when life happens see the student because they stay in the word when life happens they know how to apply the word but see the scavenger well they're only as strong as their last sermon student studies scavenger search I want to take the next few moments and I want to give you three truths of each. I want to give you three truths of the scavenger, three truths of the student. Three truths of the scavenger, three truths of the student. Can you put truth number one of the scavenger, truth number one of the scavenger up there for me? A scavenger searches for words but never looks to the actual source. A scavenger searches for words but never looks to the actual source. Two years ago, I was preaching in Dublin, Ireland. 
This is actually where this word was birthed out of. I preached about eight times at this conference in Dublin, Ireland. And when I was done preaching my last message of this conference, this young lady comes up to me. She goes, Pastor Chris, finally. I go, huh? She goes, finally, I've been trying to get to you. And now here you are. I go, okay, here I am. And here you are. She goes, you have a word for me. And I go, I do. She goes, yeah. And I'm thinking, is it different from the last eight I just preached? She goes, no, no. You have a word for me. God told me, see. See, last week you were preaching in Dallas and I was there. And I tried to get to you, but I couldn't get to you before you left. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You went from Dallas to Dublin? Like, you got you a passport to get a word from me? She goes, well, yeah, no. And I go, huh? She goes, I did go to Dallas, but I'm not from Dallas. I'm from New York. I'm from New York. She goes, I go to your church. I was so mad in that moment. I was like, you're one of mine? You know, like, like just embarrassed now. See, I know right now there's probably someone in the room thinking, wow, how admirable, how, how endearing. This, this young woman went from New York to Dallas and Dallas back to New York and then New York to Dublin to get a word like, like she was hungry for it. She was thirsty for it. She, she ran across the world to get, to get this word. Probably at first glance, it could sound that way. However, if you've ever studied the word yourself, you would know that this young lady did not need to travel halfway around the world to get a word from me. She just needed to travel across her bedroom, pick up her Bible, open it up and say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Is there anything that you would want to say to me? Is there anything that you would want to speak to me? Is there anything that you want to point out to me about my life? What's the direction that you have for me? See, what I am concerned with is because we live in the social media driven world where there's always a conference going on for any little niche that you think that you need to be administered to that because there's all these things accessible to us we live our christianity going from christian channel to christian channel to christian conference to christian conference and as a result we are relying hear me on somebody else's revelation to speak over us and we ignore hearing from the one that died to speak to you. Like, I find it encouraging that people like my preaching. But if we're being honest, I can never preach, communicate, or share a word with you 
the way that God could deliver it himself. There, there is no greater spokesman, there is no greater speaker, there is no greater communicator than God himself. And here is the thing, God wants to speak to each and every one of us and here we are ignoring God so that we can go listen to somebody else who spent time with God. I'm not knocking the preacher, but why would you settle for the preacher when you could hear from God? Like, this is the God that when he speaks, orbits comes out of his mouth and earth comes into existence. And when he breathes, man comes alive. And here we are ignoring his word. He literally wants to speak to you. Yet he could hardly get a few seconds in a day for you to just spend time and listen. Give me truth number two, the scavenger. Truth number two. The scavenger never settles in the word because the scavenger has never allowed the spirit to settle in them. A scavenger never settles in the word because the scavenger has never allowed the spirit to settle in them. Now, I'm sure it's not the case in this church. But in the world right now, Because charismatic church is at an all-time high. Hear me. And it's actually cool to go to church in this day and age. And people have learned to communicate with inflection and raising their voice. People are seeing it and now wanting to copy it. But they are leaving out the most important ingredient or the most important person in order for you to do what you are called to do. And what amazes me is that people love to talk about God the Father because it speaks to authority, which it does. And we love to talk about Jesus the Son because there's the side of Jesus that's this great humanitarian. He fought for justice and he helped the poor, which he did. But yet we, we leave out the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit seems weird to people. And the only reason why the Holy Spirit seems weird is because you watched something on television or you went to some church that misrepresented who and what the Holy Spirit actually is and now you made a judgment call on the Holy Spirit. You don't want to pray to the Holy Spirit. You don't want the Holy Spirit to fill you or guide you because of what you saw on late night television if you were to pay only three payments of 1995 and sow the seed into some weird specific place and now as a result you think the Holy Spirit's weird but if we're being honest here, the Holy spirit is not weird people are weird and because people are weird they have been giving a bad reputation to the holy spirit but can i tell you that you need the holy spirit the holy spirit is the one that jesus sent to lead us and to guide us and to fill us and you cannot do this thing called the life you cannot do ministry you cannot read your word and understand it in context without the holy spirit am i the only one in the room if there's anyone that agrees with this what you take 30 seconds right now and give the Holy Spirit some praise glory and honor one two three go (laughs) 
What an honor it is to be led by the Holy Spirit. What a privilege it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been speaking badly and poorly and disrespecting the Holy Spirit. But can I give just some counsel to the one that still holds issue with the Holy Spirit? You can't be good with God and not the Holy Spirit. Like, like I'm married. I have a wife and two children. Me and you can't be cool if you have an issue with my children. If you have an issue with my wife, I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm not going to have conversation with you. And yet there are many of us that think we're good with God and we're good with his son. But don't talk to me about the Holy Spirit. Friend, we serve a triune God. Three are one. You do not get one without the other. It is imperative for your growth and who you are as a believer to allow and accept the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me give you truth number three. Truth number three. Truth number three, the scavenger doesn't discover the depths of God and as a result ends up drowning in the storm. You ever meet a Christian that they're on fire for God? And on fire for God is just Christianese for someone that's really excited about God. They love Jesus. They're, they're pumped. Brand new, just got saved. They wanted, they're telling you about their worldwide ministry that they're about to start. They, they get a bit of the head of themselves, but it's okay because it seems a bit endearing. But then all of a sudden, next week, because something happens, they're out. And I'm not going to minimize what they went through. Maybe somebody got sick. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe something happened, but as a result, they're out. How you respond to life and its issues, problems, and storms is not only proof to God who you are, because he already knew, but it's proof to who you are where you stand with him. Life is going to happen. Hardship is going to happen. Difficulty is going to happen. Sickness, all those things are going to come at you. However, how you respond to the words and the trials and the storms is a great indicator of where you've been with God. Because the further you go with God, the more difficult it is for life to take you out. It's not saying that you won't get sick or you won't get hurt. But you might get sick, sick physically, but spiritually your soul rejoices. And you're still able to praise and you're still able to honor. And even though you lost your job, it's not a complaining spirit, but it's a joyful spirit because you know in whom you trust. And, and when, when you get an opportunity from God, it's, it's how you respond in the moment. You, you remember that story in the Bible? It's, it's not really that popular, but because I'm such a theologian, uh, I, I, I found it. It's a story where a guy named Peter walks on the water. I know you've probably never heard of it before. Um, but there's this moment in the Bible, maybe you read it for yourself or, or maybe you didn't and you heard someone else preach it. Anyway, um, you... There's a moment in the Bible... But the disciples are with Jesus. Jesus just finished robbing a little boy of his food, blessing it, and fed thousands of people. Fair? It's the Queen's version. It's how I read it growing up. 
after this moment, Jesus wants to be by himself so he could pray. He tells the disciples, get in the boat. I'll meet you on the other side. If we're counting, they just received a promise. I'll meet you on the other side. Let's just point out that when God tells you he's going to meet you on the other side, and the promise is, As they're sailing in the water, they see a figure in the distance. It's Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus yet. Which on a side note, this is a great example of what Revelation looks like. Revelation is when you see God in a new light that you hadn't seen him before. They look in the distance and they see a figure. And at first they're saying it's a ghost, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. But as the figure gets closer, they realize it's Jesus. And Jesus says to them, don't be scared, it's me. Man up. Second word. Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, which always bothers me, if it's really you, Say that I can come out on the water with you. Now, Jesus gives Peter word number three. With one word, he says, come. Peter steps out on the water. He's on the water with Jesus. We don't know how long he lasted on the water. It could have been a few minutes or it could have been a few seconds. To be honest, the time doesn't matter because a miracle happened even if it was for two seconds. Peter stood on the water and he was walking on the water with Jesus. Which, by the way, it wasn't Jesus that asked Peter to come out. It was Peter that asked Jesus, can I come out and be with you? And after he gets the word that he requested, he's now in the middle of a miracle. But now in the middle of a miracle, he starts to doubt God, which just shows you how fickle humans are. That God could deliver you a miracle and we still doubt. Peter's standing on the water with Jesus. The Bible describes us that the waves start to crash up against his legs. And as the waves start to crash up against his legs, Peter starts to look down on the water. And as a result of looking down on the water, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, which we all know anytime you take your eyes off of Jesus, the byproduct of that is you will sink. And that's exactly what starts to happen to Peter. He starts now to sink in this moment. And what's amazing is he was just standing on the water. He was, he was already in the middle of the miracle. This, this thing that he's now afraid of two seconds ago was just under his feet. Which is a beautiful illustration of James 1 where it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's like a wave of the sea tossed back and forth, back and forth. That man or woman will never be able to please God. Because one moment they're for him and the next minute they're not. Or one moment they're saying I believe and the next moment they're saying I don't. And that's what Peter is doing in this moment. I believe, I don't. I believe, I don't. Now, if you were to read it in the Bible, it just goes from him drowning to then Jesus picking him up and putting him back in the boat. But, but you also have to think about it for a second, if we could just use our creative license. Because these moments have to be quicker than just a sentence, aren't they? Can you imagine the struggle of Peter? I, I could imagine Jesus, this great encourager, encouraging him. Like, just imagine that conversation. 
Peter's saying to Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to drown. I'm going to die. This doesn't make sense. I should never got out the boat. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you were just doing it. Put your eyes back on me. You're going to be okay. But then I imagine Peter, because I'm like Peter. I've been like that before, trying to tell Jesus, like, I know better than Jesus. You, you ever try to put Jesus on? You know what I mean? Like, like you're telling Jesus, like, no, Jesus, you don't get it. I'm going to die because this doesn't make sense. I, I know how things work up there, but down here, I'm a human and I'm not able to do all this but then I imagine Jesus telling Peter like look I got you I'm authority over all of it and because I gave it to you you're going to be able to walk it out but then I imagine Peter saying to Jesus no you don't get it Jesus I'm a man and this is liquid I should not be able to walk on liquid it's the way that gravity works but then I imagine Jesus speaking back to Peter saying no I get how it works I made it work and I can tell it to do what I want it to do when I tell it to do it and I imagine Peter saying no you don't get it I'm a man and this is liquid but then I imagine Jesus saying Peter I get that the water is liquid but understand my word is solid and when I tell you to walk you walk when I tell you to go you go when I tell you to step you step when I tell you that you can do the impossible because the impossible is very possible for me when I say you can do it you will do it so when I say get up you will be healed get up because you will be healed when I said to you that the marriage will be fixed no matter how bad it was step in faith and know that it will be fixed if I told you to start the job if I told you to sow the seed if I told you to place your hands on that person and believe for their healing stop telling me about the situation and start telling your situation about me tell your situation how great your God is tell your situation how strong your Jesus is let death know that Jesus is the one that died and conquered death and rose himself again three days later is there anyone in the room that believes that we serve the God of the impossible if you believe that take about 20 seconds and give him a shout of praise in this place. that was somebody's word right there you've been doubting you've been speculating you've been telling Jesus it's not gonna happen I'm not gonna start the business I'm not gonna start the club it's not gonna work they're gonna laugh and he's saying I got you you could have it your way or my way because you could sail back to shore or you could walk to shore. You could get back in the boat with everyone else or you could do what no one has ever done before. Because you were willing to believe me like no one's ever believed me before. Friends, there are the students. There are the scavengers. The scavenger is the one that makes the Bible believe untrue. Makes the Bible seem untrue. The scavenger is the one that gives Christians a bad name. The scavengers are the ones that fulfill every stereotype that people have of our faith and our people group. But then there are the students. I want to give you three truths to the student. Truth number one of the student. Very simple. A student studies the word. Why? Because he or she knows that a test could happen at any moment. The Bible says that we are supposed to be ready when? In season and 
in season and out of season, in season and out of season. I don't just study because on Friday life is going to happen. I study and I stay in the word because I know life can always happen at any moment. It could happen before the youth conference. It could happen in the middle of the youth conference. It could happen the moment the youth conference is done and you get that phone call from that boy or that girl inviting you to that party or telling you to come do this thing and hang out with them. Life could happen at any moment. The question is, how do you you respond when it does when you're a student of the word you study to show thyself approved the study to show thyself approved is that when the enemy comes and attacks you when life throws its way at you how do you respond do you remember what the bible says the bible says when she's showing you a little bit too much skin or making some invitations your way or that website is calling your name the bible told you to flee from sexual immorality and you apply it now in the moment or the bible also says flee from the appearance of evil so you don't go hang out at that place you don't go to the party even though you're not going to do nothing because even the appearance is something to be mindful of a student studies the word number two put this on the screen please a student allows the word to study them let this sink in you do not just read the word because you have a bible reading plan you are not just trying to get through every chapter on your Bible reading plan so that you could check off a box and say, I read today. You don't do it for the gram. You don't do it for bragging rights. You don't do it to make yourself feel better. You allow the word to study you. Because if you've ever prayed this prayer, God, make me the man you've called me to be or make me the woman that you've called me to be. It's when you're reading this and you're doing what the Bible says, Selah, Selah, those words, those Selah words, they're in there. You know what it means? It means pause and think about it. Stop what you're reading. I know you want to get through a chapter, but you don't realize the weight in every word. There's, there's so much weight in every verse that you read in the text. There's, there's so much there that could just point out to you what, what should or what should not be. See, when, when we read the word, we have to understand that God is not communicating to us so that we could get the word that we want. He's communicating to us so that we could get the word that we need. A lot of you don't know where you're wrong, how you mess up, and the mistakes you make, but the Holy Spirit, through the reading of the word, can point out to you what you did not even realize you were dealing with or going through, and every time you said this, how it made that person feel, or every time you went to that place, what it triggered off for you. See, here's what you have to understand about the Bible. The Bible is the only book that when you read it, the only book where the author is always present. And because the author is always present, he's going to lead you, he's going to guide you, he's going to show you what he meant by this line. He's going to show you what he meant by this chapter. He's going to reveal to you what he was doing in the Old Testament and what he's doing in the New Testament. See, some of you struggle with understanding your Bible. If you would just stop and say, what is it you're trying to say? You would realize that even cliche verses aren't fully understood by God. No matter how many times you repeated yourself for John 3, 16, there is so much in that verse. There is so much in the word that he wants to make real to you and show you and teach you. Number three, write this down. 
student is able to stand in the midst of the storms because the student is daily being washed in the waters of the word. A student is able to stand in the midst of the storms because daily, not just on Sundays, not just on Tuesdays, but daily being washed in the waters of the word. You ever read about when Jesus was tempted by Satan? You ever? About that? No. There's so much great truth in that moment. It's so revealing. It's actually so helpful. Matthew 4, let me just read to you an excerpt from the, from the passage of Matthew 4. It says, now when the tempter, which is Satan, came to him, him is Jesus. Now when the tempter came to Jesus, he said, listen, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Just side note, the enemy is always going to question who you really are. So that you could question if that's who you really are. Now, Jesus was Jesus, so he didn't play into it. But how many times do you question the one thing you were just excited about doing? God called me to be a missionary. He called me to be a speaker. He called me to be a pastor. He called me to be a doctor. Then the enemy says, did he really call you that? And then you start to now question it all over again. But this has been his tactic from the beginning. Did he really say not to eat from that tree? got to love Jesus. He gives us one of the greatest clapbacks ever. Jesus says, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What you got to love about this is, it's Jesus. Like, anytime Jesus talks, it's scripture. Fair? So no matter what he would have said in this moment, it would have been documented. And if it would have been something we never heard before, but because Jesus said it, it would be scripture that we would recite. But notice what Jesus does. Such a beautiful tactic on how to handle the enemy. When he says this statement, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, he's actually reciting, he's repeating Old Testament scriptures. That's why he says it is written. He's trying to show us. You want to know how to fight your battles? This is how you fight your battles. You don't, you don't have to say a new thing. Say an old thing. Say, say something that was already said. You could, you could repeat it. And when you repeat it, you start to swing that word. And the enemy can't hit that word. So he stands in him and he says, it is written. But you know how you're only able to say what is written by reading what is written for yourself. See, many of you would have very different outcomes to your fights with the enemy if you already knew what the word of God said about you. See, when the enemy said to you that you are a failure, you should have been able to respond and said, ha-ha, nice try. It is written. The Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. See, when the enemy says you're not set free, you're going to be bound and you're going to deal with that forever. If you would have known what the Bible already said, you would have said, uh-uh, it's written. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. When the enemy says that God God doesn't love you. He says, uh-uh. He calls me his own. He calls me his child. He says that I'm his son. And no matter what you say about me, I know what God says. It is. 
Here's some other good piece of advice. The Bible says to us that everything Satan says is a lie. His native tongue is a lie, which then means inadvertently everything he says, the opposite is true. So when the enemy starts attacking you, that's when you should start praising because realize what he's revealing about you when he says the sickness will end in death you should start worshiping and you say wait a minute if everything he says is a lie he says the sickness will end in death that means healing is on its way when he says the marriage is going to break up you should start dancing and say the marriage is about to be healed when he says you're not going to make it you're going to fail you're never going to make it beyond this point you don't start to argue back with him you just start to rejoice because you know that everything he says the opposite is true it is written my God is for me my God is with me and I don't even have to worry about you anymore let me give a good piece of advice to the one that spends too much time talking with the enemy he has no authority over you he has he has no rulership over you there's no dominion over you understand this Satan is beneath you so in other words stop having face-to-face conversations with Satan and start having foot-to-face conversations with Satan the Bible says we trample over serpents we have the authority because of Jesus Christ but if you don't know what the word says you won't know how to apply it And what amazes me is that we spend so much time listening to the lies of the enemy, of the words of the enemy, and spend so much little time listening to the word of God. Young person, you need to change what you're listening to. You need to empty out that iPod or that smartphone that's making you so dumb. You need to delete what you've been watching in those websites and what you think is funny or humorous because somebody got into a fight or what some celebrity said. You need to put that much attention into the word of God and you need to spend time at the feet of God worshiping and hearing and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Two years ago, July of 2017 I released the book called the heist and in June of that year the month before my publisher sent me early manuscripts I was able to get the copies before they were released and I remember this moment it was a Wednesday afternoon I was by myself in my office and my assistant she came in and she she brought the books to me and she left me alone because it was a pretty surreal moment. So you have to understand that I'm someone that grew up with a learning disability. I hardly read any books growing up. I, I handed in of mice and men for my book report from like fifth grade through college, okay? Like, that was me. And here I am on a second book. I'm not saying it because I think I'm that smart. I, I know I'm not saying it because I'm so marveled by the grace of God so understand this moment for a second I'm, I'm praising God I'm, I'm holding this book in my hand and I'm like wow I can't believe this well as I'm having this moment I hear a knock on the door my friend knocks and then just comes in which why are you gonna knock and then just enter anyway you know what I mean like you're not laughing it's probably because you are that person anyway we're gonna have a separate altar call for all you people 
knock intruders. Knocks and comes in. Totally unaware of this moment that I'm having. I'm so annoyed that I don't even turn towards him. I'm trying to give him body language. <laughs> right away starts to talk. Tell me about this girl he's dating. Bro, I gotta tell you about this girl. Oh my goodness, we're dating. She's amazing. You're gonna love her. Wow. It's going off. And I'm just like, haha, wow. Wow. That's awesome, bro. Wow. He goes, oh, 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 bro. Is that your new book? I go, yeah, yeah, I just got an early copy. I was looking at it by myself. He goes, oh, got a great idea. I got the best idea. Give me the book so I can give it to this girl I'm dating. Like, why is this a good idea? You know, like, so at this point, I'm like, whatever. It's, yeah, here, give it to her. Takes the book, he opens it up, he goes, you gotta sign it. I go, okay. Take back the book. Down. Longest signature right there. Anyway. Hand him back the book. He opens it up, looks at it. He goes, that's it? But what do you mean? He's like, bro, I told you I'm excited about this girl. Like, like give her a word. It's like, write her a word. And I'm like, I don't know her. It's like, come on, write her a word. And I'm like, I wrote the book. That's all the word you need. All 200 and something pages right there. And it's amazing to me. Now we run around looking for people to give us words. When we have the book, the book that will instruct us and guide us and lead us, the, the book that will show us how to live and where to work and what decision. I mean, the book. And I'm saying it that way because, because more than likely they'll there'll be someone after service frustrated saying oh, I want to I want to speak to the pastor I want I want a word from the pastors you know where's that really good-looking guest speaker from New York Where, where's him I want a word like what and in this entitled generation this I don't want to do the work I don't want to dig, I don't want to pray, I don't want to wait, I don't want to research myself, generation. I get so overwhelmed and nervous about the one that is saying, would you just give me a word? And if I'm being honest, the Queens of New York just wants to come out a little bit and be like, oh, you, you want a word? Okay, I got a word for you. 
what, what kind of word do you need? You, you need a word on God's direction? Cool. How about Psalm 23, verse 2? He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, you don't want a Psalms word? You want a Proverbs word? Okay, how about Proverbs 3, 6? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Oh, you're dealing with forgiveness, and you need a forgiveness word? Okay, Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespass, neither will your Father forgive you your trespass. Oh, you want a sound word on forgiveness? Okay, 51 verse 7. Purge me and shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a spirit within me. Oh, you're brokenhearted and you need a brokenhearted word? How about Psalm 147 verse 3? He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Oh, you're dealing with fear and you need a word on fear how about isaiah 41 10 so do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you and i will uphold you with my righteous right hand oh you're tired and you need a tired word how about matthew 11 Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Oh, you need healing, so you need a word on healing. How about Psalm 103, verse 2? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who bounds you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Or what about Jeremiah 17, 14? Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Or what about Hosea 6, 1? Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has been torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up or what about psalm 30 verse 2 lord my god i cried to you and you healed me oh lord you brought my soul up from the grave and you kept me alive that i should not go down to the pit oh you're dealing with trials well, what about romans 8 37 knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us oh you're dealing with shame and you need a word on shame well keep on reading because paul writes for i am convinced that nothing in all this world neither height nor depth angel nor demon past nor present nor anything else in all this world can separate us from the love of god through christ jesus our lord oh you need a word you need a word how about this word in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and he put on flesh he lived on this earth and on 33 years of 33 and a half he died, but guess what? Three days later, he rose again, and now he sits at the right-hand side of the Father, and at the confession of the Word, at the confession of this name, demons have to flee, and healing has to happen, and futures are shifted. If once hell was your future, heaven becomes your promise. If you know this Word, and are grateful for this Word, and have been saved by this Word, Five-letter word, I dare you to shout it with everything you've got. J-E-S-U-S, shout the name of Jesus.